Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. 105.9 The Region. COVID-19 has changed all our lives. The how and where we work and shop and learn. The information is constant and evolving and physical distancing is the new normal. As we continue to adjust, it can be overwhelming and difficult to know where to find the information you need about your city, your town, your neighborhood. That's where we come in with the stories that matter to you and your family from across York Region. We are 105.9 The Region. 105.9 The Region. Everywhere you are. 105.9 The Region is unique in that it's independent, it's music-driven, but it still features news and talk programming focused on the 905 or York Region of Greater Toronto. At its helm is station manager Tina Cortez, a broadcast veteran who was part of the launch team for CP24 and a former VP of news programming for City TV. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we talk with Cortez about the role of independent local radio, the importance of diverse media voices, and why she's hopeful about the future. You're in independent media now, but you've had a very interesting career in both radio and television. When did you know you wanted to be in news, Tina? I think right from the beginning. I mean, I grew up uh, on television uh, in terms of watching television. I was one of those TV kids that uh, I, I liked to watch everything. And it was part of our routine to watch uh, the CBC National every night with my dad. It was on it. Uh, I think 10 o'clock in those days and you know whether it was Barbara Frum or somebody else I was always watching those newscasts so I was always pretty active um, in my own uh, school community in my neighborhood and knew very early on that this is what I wanted to do and now I've been doing it for you know I've been lucky to be doing it for 30 years and uh, I have to say I'm still as passionate and excited about it as uh, I was when I I started at Ryerson in the 1980s. (laughs) So take us through some of your stops. I spent about 25 years of my career. You know, while I was still in university, I started working at City TV, uh, City Pulse specifically. And I, I wanted just to get my foot in the door and I worked a variety of production uh, roles in the newsroom, always in the newsroom. And uh, I really found my place there. And it was at a time in the industry where it was expanding and exploding. It was the start of much music. It was the start of Bravo and all of these other amazing channels. And because I always had this plan that I was going to stay at City TV for five years and then move on to somewhere else. And there were offers and opportunities along the way, and I never really wanted to go anywhere. I had this real um, passion for local content and for growth and learning. And that's what was happening at Chum, at uh, City TV in those days. And that's why I decided to stay there for 25 years. Rogers Media was brought in in uh, the last part of my career, the last 10 years or so. And it was a great experience in growing with them as well. In 2012, uh, there was a bit of a change and a restructuring, and, and that's what happens in our industry, especially if you've been doing it a long time. And I decided to take a bit of a breather as well at that time. 
and uh, and then made a transition into radio. Worked for Bell Media at News Talk 1010 as a weekend news anchor, and uh, then I did a stint for Chorus Radio as the news director in uh, in Barrie. And uh, during that period of time, I also decided to go back to school and get my master's in uh, education with an emphasis on digital technology because I could see that our industry was definitely changing. I still believed that there was a role for journalists in our society, and I wanted to be part of that growth. And I thought, I want to be around and I want to be available to students and young people in our industry and help them maintain those foundations, but also grow in the industry as well. So currently I run a small local radio station in York region, and I also teach at the college level. I teach uh, in the program of journalism at Seneca College in Toronto, and I teach in the broadcast program at Durham College in Oshawa. So let's talk more about 105.9 The Region, where you're the station manager now. In in the current environment that we've been in, tell me about what it's like to be an independent station amid this huge network landscape of news. You know, Connie, and, and you watch this industry. You're an observer of it as well. You know how tough it is to be the lone voice. And it is often difficult to gain that traction. But what I've noticed during this time of COVID-19 is that now more than ever, our listeners, our followers are relying on the content that we provide because it is so intensely local. While we are a music station, we still provide news and long-form news and talk and information programming. So it is a real good mix of um, what folks in the community really need and want. So I feel like there is a place for us. Yes, I have no doubt. Look, I've worked for those big companies. I have no doubt that for the big stories, viewers, listeners, followers, Uh, they will go to those big companies, those trusted newsrooms. And that is a good thing uh, because those newsrooms still in this country are quite strong and prominent and uh, all really well run. Um, But when you want that intensely local content that has to do specifically with York region, that that's where we come in, where you can talk to one of the nine mayors across our municipalities right here. They know that now. It's a regular feature to um, connect with the mayor in the morning uh, here at 105.9 The Region. You know, since COVID-19, we have uh, regular updates from York Region's Medical Officer of Health. You're not going to get that across traditional or big mainstream media. That is our role. That is what we provide. So tell us about what kind of team you're working with and and how your coverage has unfolded? You know, and in preparation for our conversation today, Connie, I was looking back and uh, over some of my notes and some of my emails, and I was trying to think back, well, when did this all begin for us? And I, I, you know, I look back in late February where our stories at that time were about supporting, you know, Chinese Canadian businesses in York region because they were hurt by what was happening in Wuhan. 
So those were the types of stories we were covering then, connecting with the Chinese Canadian Business Association, with the mayors again, with those restaurant and business owners, hearing from them specifically about what was going on. Then as we got into later in February, early March, you know, it was the beginning of those daily updates. And still the positive cases were in and around under 10 at that point. But we knew something was happening instinctively. I've been doing this a long time and I knew instinctively that this story was growing and was going to explode. And so on March 11th, we had planned to do uh, a live phone-in talk show during the noon hour hosted by Anne Romer, a longtime broadcaster here in the city of Toronto uh, with York Region's Medical Officer of Health. As it happens on that very day, on March 11th, the WHO declared the coronavirus a pandemic. And, you know, we were on the air when that happened. I know Anne Romer broke the news and she is a real expert in, in, in breaking news. And so it was then that I really got the fact that you know what, if you were listening to York Region's radio station that day at that time, then you would have known immediately what was happening. And the reaction in our communities was immediate. You know, we sent reporters out um, to the local grocery stores just to kind of monitor and gauge the reaction from our own community. And there were lineups on that very first day out the door. There were lineups once again when York Region um, District School Board and the Catholic School Board said, hey, we're going we're gonna to halt school right now and um, we're going to wait and see what happens here. And again, when they closed the schools, those lineups out the door at a grocery store because the community was afraid and they did turn to us for hopefully that common sense information and that calm that we got from our medical officer of health. He, he really has been a constant um, through this entire uh, pandemic. So what kind of news staff are you working with? Do you have reporters on the ground? I mean, obviously in, in the current sort of remote space, you know, most media outlets are doing everything virtually. Tell me about what things look like within the station. So we have a great mix here, and that is the beauty of this station, where we have young people, whether it is um, young people with uh, a little bit of experience or recent graduates, working with uh, senior or experienced members of uh, our industry. And they work side by side. And everything now is done um, you know, remotely if we can. We have minimal staff here in our studios. Um, we record, you know, as you know, whether it's by Zoom or Skype or other platforms over the phone, we try to maintain our content and programming schedule as best we can. So we have veterans of the industry working alongside young people. And it is that kind of dialogue that also makes us unique, I believe. So we've got Jim Lang, who has experience. You know, his, he lives in the community as well. So he lives and breathes the life that he talks about, you know, whether it's the traffic or lack thereof, he knows it because he lives here too. Uh, we have Amber Pay, who formerly of CP24 and, and Chum Radio, who is our afternoon show host. 
we have experienced news anchors like Sunil Joshi and Galit Solomon who anchor our morning newscasts. And we have um, some young people along the way as well who work alongside them. Afoba, um, frankly, was one of my students at Seneca College. And she was one of the outstanding students there, of many, of course. And, um, you know, she found her place here. She's been here for many years and she anchors our afternoon cast uh, Monday to Friday. So it really is a kind of unique, special mix of people. I've got graduates um, from Durham College here, probably about three or four of them actually right now, who work behind the scenes as production editors, our technical producer, our website manager is from Durham College. So again, it really is a special place in that capacity because yeah, we, we provide that foot in the door that so many young people need. And it's also a place where those of us with some experience can still be contributing to the industry that we love so much. Tina, do you think that the the pandemic has highlighted the value of local regional voices? And where do you see the place of independent local news in, in the bigger landscape of news coverage? Well, as I said, I think it was highlighted for me on March 11th when this small little you know music radio station was live on the air with a talk show and that was the day that the WHO declared it a pandemic and so there is a place for content and information and especially local news I don't think there you you have to if you you have a music station I don't think you drop news especially these days in this climate from your from your programming. I think there is always a place and a creative way to integrate content, news, and information into whatever programming style that exists for you. So I think there is a place for it. I think now more than ever that uh, we are starved for good, solid, accurate content. But, you know, yes, I want the big picture, but I really want someone to drill it down for me. What does it mean for me in my neighborhood, on my street? What's happening with my police department or inside my hospital or with my mayor? What's happening with my taxes? And those are the questions that you're only going to get from a local voice. And that need for a variety of voices There are many companies that own a bunch of radio stations and a bunch of TV stations. And the reality is these days that resources are slim and tough and sometimes you have to share. And so that same content gets shared across all of the platforms. That just makes economic sense. I understand why they're doing it, but it doesn't provide that variety of voices that independent media companies can provide. And that is our role. Speaking of slim resources, when the session ended uh, this spring for your students, what did you tell them in terms of, you know, going out into the world in this uncertain environment right now? Well, I, I think I was brutally honest as I, as I usually am with them. And I said, I am still very passionate about this industry. I am encouraged. And if this current pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we can adapt and we must. 
So what it has forced us to do is produce content across multiple platforms using a variety of resources. That's what it's taught us to do. And that's what we've been telling our students going forward anyway. So now it's been thrust upon us. We have to adapt. What doesn't change though is the need for good solid journalism where you have to be accurate, you're accountable, you're independent, but and you're impartial, but you also provide that sense of humanity as well. So I was encouraged by the fact that yes, uh, we will no longer be connecting face-to-face -face in the studio classroom, for example, but I'm encouraged by the fact that we are still needed. There is still the want and the need to produce content. So let's, let's take that and run with it and do the best we can with it. So it doesn't mean that we abandon our jobs as journalists. It means, okay, I have to do more. I have to do it differently, but you need it. You have to keep doing it. So with the revenue challenges that all stations have been experiencing, what have you done in particular at your station to sort of minimize the impact of what everybody is feeling right now? And I guess how long do you think the industry can sustain this? Well, isn't that the million dollar question? I'm not sure how long the industry can sustain it. I don't know how long a small company like ours can sustain it. That is the reality. But, you know, because we are a small company, our general manager, and she's also the owner of the, the station, she is often out there hustling. You have to hustle regardless if you're a small company, if you're a small business owner. People know that across the country, no matter what their business is. So now it was about changing what we could provide them. You know, folks don't have a lot of money to spend. Uh, advertisers don't have a lot of money to spend. Small companies that might, and local companies that are not part of big chains that might be interested in advertising on their local radio station probably have to tighten their belts these days. So what have we had to do? We've had to continue to maintain those relationships and look and connect with those companies and let them know that we would like to provide any kind of coverage for them that we can. Even sharing what they are doing in this new normal. Are you providing curbside pickup? Did you have to close down completely? What have you done with your staff? How are you supporting them? Did you change what you do in terms of your business? Instead of um, you know, manufacturing this, you're now producing masks or something like that. So our job has been to continue to connect, always connect with our, with our clients and understand that we're going through this as well. So we understand what they're going through and we're trying to support them as best we can. And again, how can we do that? I guess we can do that best by showcasing and sharing with our audience what they are doing now. How are they surviving this? How are they making this work? Is there a thought you'd like to close on, Tina? I think, uh, you know, my final thoughts then would be, I am encouraged, I am um, hopeful, I am hopeful for the future, that journalism and the independent media company will survive this, that we will all survive this, that all companies survive this and get through it. Have we had to adapt and pivot and change the way we do things? Absolutely. Maybe that was something we needed anyway, 
and it was a good thing? Could that be a silver lining in all of this? Perhaps. But I'm encouraged by the fact that there is that want and need for a local voice. And I'm always honored to have a place in it. Thanks for joining us, Dina. Thank you so much, Connie. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.